Canecast episode 23, a commentary on the recent volatility in the Chinese stock market. Welcome to Canecast, a podcast series by Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management, where we offer timely commentary on the performance of financial markets, the global economy, and our various investment strategies. Hello, I'm James Fletcher, co-portfolio manager of the Emerging Markets Small Cap Portfolio at Kane Anderson Rudnick. Recently, the majority of public attention has centered on the travails of Greece and the country's ongoing debt crisis. And while this news has certainly made for interesting headlines, it is worth noting that the economy of Greece is merely the equivalent of the state of Missouri, whereas China produces an economy the size of Greece about every two weeks and is much more linked to the global economy. Accordingly, in this podcast, I will provide some context to what is happening in the Chinese stock markets, offer our perspective on whether the recent volatility will spill over into the Chinese economy, and summarize the approach we take to investing in China here at Kane Anderson Rudnick. The past 12 months have been a roller coaster ride for investors in China, with the two major Chinese indices, the Shanghai Stock Exchange and the Shenzhen Stock Exchange, rising over 100%. Going back a year, the Shanghai Stock Exchange was stagnant. Despite continued economic growth in China, over the previous five years, the country's stock market had steadily declined and was languishing around its low point of 2000. Many investors had lost faith in the market after the stock market bubble had collapsed in 2007. And in China, where the savings rate is exceptionally high, liquid assets and the property market were seen as more rational long-term investments than stocks. That said, it is worth noting that the Shanghai Stock Exchange is not your typical equity market, as it is largely closed to foreign investors, and it is dominated not by professional institutional investors, but by average retail investors. In the fall of 2014, things started to change. In spite of weak fundamental economic data in China, the stock market began to surge. The sharp increase was driven by a number of factors, including government incentives to open brokerage accounts, increasing margin lending, state-owned newspapers cheerleading the rising bull market, and growing hopes that the Shanghai Stock Exchange would be included among the MSCI Global Stock Indices. By mid-June 2015, the Shanghai Index had skyrocketed to an astonishing 5,100, with valuations of Chinese companies rising to excessively high levels. Shares of many companies surged dramatically after merely changing their name, and the amount of margin lending used to buy shares rose to the highest level of any stock market in the world. Of the 30 million Chinese people who opened a brokerage account over the past year, reportedly two-thirds of these had not graduated from high school meaning that investors with little or no market knowledge or understanding of business fundamentals were using debt to drive valuations higher and higher. In short, the Chinese market had become a bubble. Understanding this dynamic, we have not owned any Chinese A shares or those traded in Shanghai. Rather, we have watched from a side as the Chinese market surged earlier this year and then started to decline starting in June, with the main Chinese stock index, the Shanghai Stock Exchange, falling by over 30% from its peak and erasing over $4 trillion of market value. To put that amount in perspective, $4 trillion is twice the size of the entire economy in India and over 16 times the size of the entire economy of Greece. 
Despite these recent declines, the markets are still up significantly on a year-over-year -year basis, up over 100%. But the Chinese government felt it was time to intervene. Efforts began with more conventional stimulus measures to ease monetary policy, suspend new IPOs, and restrict short selling. However, when these moves failed to stem the decline, the Chinese government moved on to some highly unconventional measures, including banning any shareholder with more than 5% stake in a company from selling his or her shares. Further, the government halted trading in over half of the stocks on the exchange and eventually pledged nearly $500 billion to the China Securities Finance Corp to prop up markets and to provide liquidity to brokerages. These measures were unprecedented, and while in the short run they appear to have stemmed the immediate decline, this type of heavy-handed market manipulation has raised serious concerns about the A-share market in China and whether it should even be considered a market at all. Notably, IMF chief economist Olivier Blanchard called the Chinese markets a sideshow, and it now appears that China has seriously damaged its chances of having the Shanghai Stock Exchange included among the MSCI global indices. The Chinese stock market remains volatile, with a substantial portion of its stocks still suspended. And the big question is, what is the risk of spillover into the broader economy? There are a number of things here to consider. First, only a small portion of the total Chinese wealth is in the stock market, about 10 to 15 percent, and only 7 percent of the population has a brokerage account meaning the stock market has a much lower correlation to the economy than it does in the U.S. or Europe. Second, the exposure of banks to the stock market is small, as equity loans make up less than 2% of bank assets. Third, consumer spending was unaffected and remained weak during the sharp market surge upward, leading us to believe that it will not suffer much on the way down either. Fourth, Chinese growth performed well even after the 2007 stock market crash, which means that while economic forecasts are always uncertain and unpredictable, the fall of the A-share market in and of itself is unlikely to create widespread economic weakness in China. So while China's stock market is less relevant than others to the overall economy, investors should not ignore China. It is now the second largest economy in the world, accounting for over 15% of global GDP, and it has been the single largest contributor to global GDP growth over the past decade. During our visits to China, and in our frequent conversations with Chinese companies in recent months, it has been apparent that the country's growth is slowing, particularly in the industrials, construction, and export sectors. We believe that the recent decision by China's central bank to devalue its currency is a direct reflection of this slowdown. If growth trends continue to deteriorate in China, we would expect the Chinese government to continue to step up its stimulus efforts. China's nearly $4 trillion of currency reserves gives the country plenty of firepower to do so. At Kane Anderson Rudnick, our investment approach is not dictated by the movements of the market, but by the quality of the businesses which we own. We believe that buying high-quality companies at attractive prices is the best way to mitigate risk in the long run. If a company is overvalued or if corporate governance is less than stellar, we don't invest. Currently, we do not own any companies listed in Shanghai. 
We do, however, own companies listed in both Hong Kong and the U.S. that have exposure to the Chinese economy. We believe that attractive secular growth opportunities can emerge in China as the economy moves from one that has been infrastructure-led to one that is more consumer-driven. The stocks that we own have not experienced the dramatic rise seen in mainland shares, and they represent highly protected businesses, which are unlikely to suffer a dramatic fall if the Chinese markets continue to decline. Thank you for your time, interest, and continued trust and confidence, and please do not hesitate to contact us with any further questions that you may have. KaneCast is the official podcast series of Kane Anderson Rudnick Investment Management. Kane Anderson Rudnick provides this communication as a matter of general information. The opinions stated herein are those of the speakers and not necessarily the opinions of Kane Anderson Rudnick or its affiliates. Portfolio managers at Kane Anderson Rudnick make investment decisions in accordance with specific client guidelines and restrictions. As a result, client accounts may differ in strategy and composition from the information presented herein. Any facts and statistics quoted are from sources believed to be reliable but they may be incomplete or condensed, and we do not guarantee their accuracy. This communication is not an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any security, and it is not a research report. Individuals should consult with a qualified financial professional before making any investment decisions.